On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about Quebec's Bill 21. I hope you know something about this. It's this law they've put in place that will essentially force secularism and ban people in the public service from wearing any kind of religious garment or artifact. You may agree, you may disagree disagree with the concept of it, but the idea that we would have this in our country seems so wrong. And the bigger problem, seemingly, is that none of our federal leaders in this election are willing to take a really strong, unwavering stand on this. Where is the leadership? Where is the one leader who's willing to stand up and say, this is absolutely wrong and I will fight this? We're not hearing it. We're also going to be chatting about Kaylee Humphreys, you know, the, the bobsledder. She uh, wants to leave Canada, wants to race for the States. Is this something we should be doing? Is this something we should be allowing? A court has said no, at least for right now, it's blocked it. But is this something that we want to see happening? Should someone be allowed to race or compete for whatever country they want, even after they've competed for a country previously? We'll talk about it. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I don't know how much there is right now as we get into the federal election to really distinguish all the leaders. Uh, There's various shades of different colors here, Um, but a lot of people would say there's a lot of similarities as well. I don't know how true that is, but I can tell you one thing. There is one area, there is one point on which they seemingly, when it comes right down to it, are pretty much the same. All have refused to really take a hard, principled, unrelenting stand on Quebec's Bill 21. That's the forced or enforced secularism law that denies religious minorities the right to work in the public sector if they're wearing any kind of religious garb or religious symbol. And considering that pretty much all the leaders of the federal parties like to trumpet themselves as champions of human rights and champions of the individual, champions of Canadians of all stripe, This, to me, really comes across as shameful, maybe even further, maybe even a little cowardly, maybe more than a little cowardly. Seems that if you're going to extrapolate what's going on, it would look like votes in Quebec are more important than doing what is right or standing for what is the right thing. And I believe this is the right thing. Am I being too hard on them? Well, let me tell you something. Let me bring someone in here. Uh, At the end of every show, I finish by saying, stick around because Alex Pearson is up next on 900 CHML. Today, I flip it around. Alex Pearson is up first on 900 CHML, host of On Point, which you hear right here on CHML after I'm done. Uh, We've pulled Alex away from her preparation for her show. Thanks for taking some time. Let me see if I can... Oh, we just lost Alex. Let's try this again. Oh, there we go. Uh, we will get to that. But yes, I it, it is, to me, it is a shameful position that none of the leaders have said unequivocally that when they become prime minister, and they always talk about the when, they never say if, when they become prime minister, they will take a hard, unrelenting, unforgiving stand. They will fight this. They will go to the Supreme Court. They will do whatever they have to do to make sure people have their rights. Now, let me bring in Alex Pearson. How are you tonight? All right, I didn't hang up on you. No, I hung up on you accidentally, yeah. That's what happens when you press buttons with your elbow. Um, So what am I missing here? Why why are we not being able to find a really hard principled stand from any of the leaders other than the fact that votes in Quebec count for something? Well, when it comes to Bill 21, the double-edged sword to this is that they all need the vote in Quebec. So, you know, you've got... You know, Mr. Trudeau, the party of the charter, saying, you know, everyone's a Canadian, a Canadian, Canadian, but, you know, he's not willing to go to the 
to the to the wall for them because he will not say anything that might lose him a vote. The same thing with Andrew Scheer. They've all been very kind of neutral on the issue of Bill 21, making sure that they appease the rest of Canada, saying, yeah, yeah, we don't like it, we don't like it, but, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the courts do. Um, and then, of course, Jagmeet Singh coming out saying, yeah, I don't like this. And, of course, the irony being that he himself being a public sector possibility or a worker would not be able to have a job uh, in Quebec under this new law. But they're both they're all talking out of both sides of their mouth. And it's very disingenuous because we all know, Scott, that if this were happening in Ontario, just as we saw, I mean, remember back to those days when city council was being cut by Doug Ford and he pulled out the threat of the notwithstanding clause and people went nuts, nuts. And I'm thinking, okay, certainly Bill 21 is more offensive than this. And we get crickets. And that's because there's an election. All these leaders want to win. And I think, um, you know, it shows how disingenuous they are on the issue. And I don't know if they could win. Even if when one of them becomes prime minister, I don't know if they could win a court challenge because the notwithstanding clause might be used or whatever else. But at least if you were to take the stand and fight it, at least you're making the point how strongly you disagree with it and you seem like you stand for something. Absolutely. I mean, here's the irony. You know, Jagmeet Singh is out there today. He's written a letter to Elections Canada. He's not happy that Mr. Bernier is going to be in the debates, in the French and English debates, because he doesn't want him to have a platform for hate. And then you look at it on the flip side, and you're like, well, hold on a second here. You're speaking out, you know, very clearly on Mr. Bernier. You're taking action. And yet, why don't we see the same kind of follow through on an issue like Bill 21? Well, it's very simple. Bill 21 is popular in Quebec. And I actually think, um, you know, while everyone's talking about Mr. Scheer being affected by Mr. Bernier, I actually think all the parties are going to be um, affected by him in that debate. Maybe not so much the English debate, but certainly because French is his number one language. He's very effective. But his policies um, might actually appeal to a lot of people in Quebec. Mr. Trudeau said a few days ago, and it was a little bit of a change of a stance where he said, you know, uh, I'm not going to interfere, but, you know, maybe after the election, it might, might, you know, in other words, there were a lot of Quebecers saying, hold on a second, we like this bill, it's very popular. Are you telling us that you might get involved after the election? So he's left a bit of an opening for himself on that. And some people might say, you know what, I don't like the politicians leaving such a question mark at the end of this. Maybe I'll just go with a guy like Mr. Shear, because certainly he won't touch it. It is. Uh, it just seems to me that there is a a greater cause at stake here than if you are going to be a leader. Sometimes, and, and I mean, I look. I understand reality. I understand you have to win, but it seems like sometimes you got to stand for the right thing, even if it may cost a few votes. Hundred percent. But that takes leadership. And politics today, sadly, is not about leadership. And for whatever reason, the electorate, being us have either become so cynical or complacent that we don't demand it. And we also adopt all their talking points. We don't push back. If they say it, it's truth. And I think we need to be better at that. I think we need to send a message saying, no, this isn't okay. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth. But I think that's going to take us pushing back a lot harder on it. Um, And I certainly don't think the issue has been hashed out to the degree uh, that we think it has. Because, again, we're so early in this never-ending awful election, which is going to go down, I think, in history books of and most annoying we've had yet. Um, so a lot can change. I do think that's one of those issues that Quebecers will um, get in, irritated about. The other area being, of course, that both uh, the Green Party and the NDP flirting with the sovereignty issue. They're yes, yes. Sovereign. I mean, they're, they're all playing games with Quebec. And i got to be honest, on the outside looking in, it's a little irritating that Quebec just is all about Quebec. And that's why you're seeing such division in this country. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
We are chatting with Alex Pearson, who you will hear after I'm done at 8 o'clock tonight here on 900 CHML. And just before the break, we're talking about this Bill 21 in Quebec, this religious liberties or non-liberties bill that none of the federal leaders are really standing up against. And Alex, just before the break, you said something that I think is bang on, and that is you and I think many, most other Canadians share your fatigue with everything, all the discussion being about Quebec and tiptoeing around Quebec. And I can't believe there's not a leader who looks at this and says, yeah, you know what? I might cost myself some votes in Quebec if I take this on, but I may gain some votes if I have the cojones to do it. I may gain some votes elsewhere. Yeah, but the reality is, who's going to do that? I mean, you you just can't. Quebec is so crucial to the electorate. They carry so much weight as well as as Ontario, really, the elections are decided here, which I think is why, after so much time, Scott, we're starting to see real talk of division and um, secession from the West. Because, frankly, they're sick and tired, certainly Alberta, of writing all the bill, uh, the checks. And, you know, when they are struggling, no one's worried about them. It's always about, <coughs> pardon me, Quebec. And so that's why you're seeing such a divide. And I don't know who is going to fix that, because in order to fix and get more of a balance, you'd have to open up the charter. Who's mm-hmm. going to do that? I mean, no one will ever allow that to happen because the second you challenge Quebec on anything, they make a huff and a puff and they talk, you know, separation and whatever. I don't know how this one is fixed. I just know, and certainly you look at the latest polling done by uh, Daryl Bricker over at Ipsos. If you look at the polling today, Andrew Scheer is killing it in the West. Trudeau is, for now, you know, a- slightly ahead in the East. But again, if Trudeau takes the seats in the East, it doesn't matter how well the West does because there's just not enough seats. And so I think if the election, let's say, if it, if it ends up that Trudeau wins, Scheer comes in second, whatever, and it's all because of this divide, the next leader of this country is going to be facing a very divided population. And they're going to have to deal with it. And if it's Mr. Trudeau, then he has to take responsibility for the role he played in it. Because all these parties right now are stoking uh, and, and playing with each other and uh, trying to get the votes out. And it doesn't seem like anyone really cares about what it's costing this country. And Absolutely. you know, and I know, we have such massive, huge issues. None of them are being discussed. Have you heard any talk about this national security issue that is so monumentally big? Who's talking about it? No one. All they want to do is sling mud, call names, and frankly, I think it's failing Canadians. I know you got to go in a second, but mm. let me just ask you one more yeah. thing before you go, and that is, here's my concern about this thing. First of all, besides the Bill 21, besides the obvious yeah. uh, cut into civil liberties and all the rest that we claim to hold so dear to us, here's the nice thing. Yeah. Who's to, if, if nobody stands up for this, if nobody really fights this and really takes a stand, mm-hmm. is it crazy to think that the next step Quebec could take would be to say, you've got to sign a document if you're going to work for the government saying you believe in this or you hold secular positions or whatever else. Is it crazy to say there's a next step after this? No, it generally, there's always a next step. It starts with one thing and then it creeps into something else. Because if you're going to accept that, Scott, of course, what's to say we just can't do it to people walking down the street? You know what? You can be religious. Just don't wear it on the street. It always creeps into something else because there'll be always a different politician coming in to replace that. And maybe that politician will want to go a little bit further. I mean, maybe another province has to pull the same stunt in order to get something. Maybe Jason Kenney of Alberta says, okay, we're going to follow suit. Maybe that's the only way you can get leaders in this country to say, all right, we've got to deal with this and actually, um, you know, show some leadership and solve it. But at this point, I've got to be honest, Canadians should be disgusted with this game that is being played because it's so obvious that if it weren't for an election, 
um, you know, the party of the charter. Certainly, this is, I think, uh, sits right in Justin Trudeau's lap because they're the party that says we will protect you. Remember, a Canadian's a Canadian's a Canadian. Unless, of course, you go to Quebec where you can only be a Canadian in certain elements of your life. It is a complete contradiction of what this party says they are about and what this leader says uh, who this leader says he is. So I think it's disgraceful, frankly. You, you've just touched on the idea, Alex. I, I will le- I'll credit you with this one. Jason Uh-oh. Kenney should yeah. say from now on until Quebec changes their rules, French is banned in Alberta. Yeah, you know, but I think that's what you're going to see. <laughs> well, is, no, they won't do know, that, but... Well, but but what you're going to see is if, if Quebec gets away with this, a province is going to say, you know what, Alberta will say, well, if they can do that, we can do this. And that's the problem confronting the next person running Absolutely. this country, is they have to bring unity back. And I don't know how that's going to be done if, in fact, voting day does not result in some fairness across this country. Alex Pearson, you can hear her at 8 o'clock here on 900 CHML. I'll let you get back to preparing. I know you people don't know you prepare because you look so easy with it, but you <laughs> oh, do. Yeah. You prepare. Yeah, uh, thanks for taking the time. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, look, the, Alex is absolutely right on this one point. She's right on a number of points, but on this one point specifically, and that is this. If Quebec, if nobody is going to fight this hard, if no one's going to really take a stand on this, somebody else will. And I don't mean take a, a stand against Quebec. Will decide they're going to do what they think is best for their province, even if it hurts someone else. It's inevitable, isn't it? And then what happens? And what happens? And I know it's a crazy idea, and I was I was being sarcastic. But what happens if a if a province like Alberta did say, you know what? We see no benefit here because we have so few francophones to the the French language law that we have to put French on everything. We're getting rid of that. Then okay, now what? Huh? Who's you, guaranteed? You're going to have people fighting that one. Politi- federal politicians guaranteed are going to be in the middle of that one. It's a mess, and somebody, some leader, needs to stand up, man up or woman up, and say this is not acceptable, and and we're going to do something about it. But none are doing that yet. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We bring in our buddy Bubba O'Neill from CHCH Sports. How are you, sir? Oh, enjoying a little preseason uh, Battle of Ontario. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> now. I said this off the top of the show. It was 15 minutes gone in the first period. And the Leafs haven't scored. They still haven't scored. This season is clearly a write-off. It, a total disaster. And the Sens are going to win the Stanley Cup. You know, the Leafs may not win a game, the Sens may not lose a game. I think that that's probably a fair assessment after this period of time. And, and, I mean, of all the people who should be ashamed and embarrassed is Mitch Marner, who has yet to get a point, and he's getting paid a trillion dollars a year. I'm actually surprised, really, um, that he's in this game. Um, I would have thought that, you know, I mean, basically he's only had one practice. But uh, And I know, I guess you could say, just get on out there, but... Uh, I mean, to get his conditioning. His conditioning, I'm sure he kept in shape and did all the things required uh, on his own, but there's nothing like being in hockey shape with uh, after a training camp. So I'm actually surprised if he's out there. We will see how they do. I, 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 as I said before, I, I, I don't really think that it's going to be a disaster, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, there is a disaster, though, that's going on right now. I, I really find this story to be... Uh, difficult because Kaylee Humphreys has been a, a Canadian sports legend. She won the Lou Marsh Award as our top athlete. Lou Marsh Trophy is the top athlete in Canada, male or female, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. And now she's got this situation where she's claiming abuse by her coach with Bobsleigh Canada, or Canada Bobsleigh, wants out of her deal or wants out of be to be released so she can go and race for the States. She just married an American on Saturday, which throws a 
wrinkle into the mix here, raises some eyebrows and going, oh, sure, okay. So it's not really about abuse. It's about wanting to live with her husband, which we understand. But what do you make of this story? Because it, it seems like it's got all the pieces of a story that's just going to go sour. Well, go, going sour or it's gone sour? Well, what? when I say going sour, there are still people on Twitter and stuff who are saying, you know, you go, girl, do all that stuff because it's the abuse allegations. But I think that, first of all, she was in court today and a judge ruled that there was, Bobsleigh Canada did an investigation for months and found no none of these allegations of abuse. Now, do you believe Bobsleigh Canada? I don't know. But the court... I guess, took that lack of any evidence of abuse and then ruled against her today, which was a knock against her. But I, I just think that over time, as this thing starts to grind, as she starts to take more shots at Bobsleigh Canada, which, Bob, I think are inevitable, and Bobsleigh Canada starts to defend itself and make some comments about her, I think this is going to get nasty. Well, I think it already is nasty. I think it's I think it's embarrassing. I think it's embarrassing uh, more for Bobsleigh Canada. Um I mean, if someone alleges something, I mean, how can the courts discover, you know, whether the coach, them? apparently she, she's claiming mental and uh, verbal abuse from her coach over the years. And this was actually something that wasn't recently filed. This was filed, you know, I think a couple of years ago or a year ago, sorry. Um, so this has been an ongoing situation with this. Now, she, as you said, uh, she's married an American, which, um, el- which makes her eligible to be able to compete for the United States. My, I'm gonna I'm gonna go real basic on this, Scott, because this is the I think it really at the core of it. This is how I look at it. If she wants to compete for another country, regardless of the accolades that she has joined and she is uh, you know earned in this country, and you know she's won medals and world championships on top of the Olympics as well too. Why wouldn't you let her go? It's like having a girlfriend that doesn't want to stay with you any longer. You know, there was a clip that came out from uh, the, um, I guess, the, the, the director, I guess, of Bobsleigh Canada that says, we want Kaylee in our program. But she doesn't want to be in your program. So why are you fighting to keep her in your program that she doesn't want to be a part of? So to me, that's a major, major problem and almost in some ways a dysfunction for her because I think this director is thinking, oh, well, this, is, this, this woman is going to be able to put us on the world stage and put us in a best position to win medals. So that doesn't work for me. See, I, my argument for why I would not just wave the white flag and let her go is this. Canada and Canada's taxpayers have spent probably hundreds of thousands of dollars on training Kaylee Humphreys to race for Canada to be the excellent... Now, she's put in the time as well. I'm not saying it's entirely not of her doing. She absolutely has, but she has been enabled to do this with Canada's Own the Podium program and everything else, and their mandate is to win. And so to train someone to be a world champion and then to have her walk out the door and race for your main competition, I'm, I'm, my argument is if you want to go... That's fine, but here's how much we've spent on you over the years, minus what we feel that the gold medals or whatever are worth. So you pay us back X amount of dollars for the training that you owe us, and away you go. And I think that's uh, part yeah, of the problem. How can you... That, that, that is almost impossible to Of monitor. course it is. Of course because, it is. Because, because she's already paid, that, paid those organizations back by winning the number of world titles. I mean, again, we all just talk about this at the Olympics, but it's beyond the Olympics. There's so many world championships that she's put together uh, and other women that she's brought, you know, in, in the two-man bobsleigh that have, you know, been with her in terms of her teammate that, that have, you know, 
that have um, benefited from from her excellence. Um, I just. But if you work for a company, if you work for a major company, let's say you work for Apple and you are someone who's in their research and development or something, you're in some sort of thing where there is competition. Almost always, if you decide you're going to leave, they will require, they'll have a non-compete clause where they, you can't go for a period of time because they don't want to have paid for your training and paid for your knowledge to then go and apply it to the competition. And I see that as a very similar thing here. Yeah, but those non-compete clauses generally are because that company is still paying you at the time. Uh, so you can't compete for the other the, the other company or the other prop anywhere. You know, I understand what you're saying, but you can't compete because we're still paying you. Once you become, I'm not paying you, you're a free agent. So if she says, thank you very much, it's been a great time, uh, it, she can go wherever she wants. Like I, again, and I'm and I'm going to say it just from a basic, uh, as, as basic as you can be, it's like a girlfriend. It, if it's a girl doesn't want to be with you, you, well, you can't force her to be with you. What, what how would you expect? And, and, and she, and I mean, and she's someone that is put in the time. She's world recognized. She wants to be in the United States. And, and like, why would you want someone that doesn't want to be with you in the first place? Would you break, would you exp- extend that across all sports? So if someone had been trained in a certain country and competed for that country on the international stage and then they married someone or whatever, that they should be able to go and see, I, that, that's generally not how it works. Is generally once you once you choose in hockey, for example, there are a few exceptions that have gone through the, the the system. But generally, once you have played for a country, that is the country that you now represent, and so you don't get to just sort of jump around and pick and choose. What if I'm We've hoping seen this before in sports? But do you remember um, Rudzetsky, the tennis player? Yep. He he Greg Rudzetsky, he began yep. he began competing for Canada. And decided to change, and, and because he didn't like what was going on with Tennis Canada at the time, and said, "I'm going to England," and did so. Peter Nedved, uh, sure. Uh, Mary Pierce, born in Montreal, uh, said, "Now nah, I'm going to compete for France." Um, it, it, this is a choice. Um, I can't remember who the name. Paul Pascal was it. Paul Pascalito, the, the soccer player. He too left uh, Soccer Canada. There's, there's other examples of this. You can't keep someone against your own will. Now, it's different to me in professional sports when you have a signed contract. And even still, some of your players are able to find a way. To, I mean, look at Antonio Brown. You can find ways to get out of that. Yep. But that's signed, those are signed contracts in professional sports. To me, I might feel differently. But in what is, quote, amateur-type t- sports, to keep someone against their will, to me, just I, I don't understand it. I am not suggesting for a second, uh, not even remotely. I mean, I, I believe that she got married for all the same reasons that everybody gets married. I, I, there's, I, I, there's nothing nefarious about her wedding here whatsoever in my mind. Uh, she's, she's fallen in love with an American guy. She's married an American guy. She wants to race for the States. But what if it's not her? What if someone else, and, and if you think that this is a stretch to say that nobody would ever do this, look, we've got people all over the place who are injecting 
horse tranquilizers and lighter fluid into their butt to try and get a boost in their sporting you know, performance. What about someone who marries someone because they want to race for that country and then divorces and marries someone else because they want to race for that country? I mean, it's not ridiculous. If you start allowing it just because, you know, this is how we do it, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm leery of throwing open the door to say, go wherever you want as long as you're with that particular country at the time. I, it, to me, once you've made your call, once you've made your choice, you've made your choice. That's how it should be as far as I'm concerned in, in international sports. Uh, I don't know. I just I, I can't see how you can keep someone against your will, Scott. Uh, and and I, again, and I'll take it a step further. I don't know why you'd want to keep someone that doesn't like. Like again, that quote really bothered. We want Kaylee in our program. She doesn't want to be with your program. No, that you know? that's top, that's and, and true. I, and on top, that, that's that's that is just a, a pure statement of arrogance, in my opinion. And um, the, I mean, again, I can't prove or. I guess the, the the courts have proven or whatever, however they've dissected this issue of the fact that she feels, you know, and I'm gonna, I'll take it that step further. She feels abused mentally and verbally abused from her from her coach. That's something you I and I guess the courts believe they can't they've proved, but I don't know how you can prove that. Uh, this is something that's been bothering her. It bothers her performance. It affects her. It, 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 as a person, as an athlete, as a woman, she's not comfortable with the situation. So she would rather move on. Let me move on to something else. I want to read you a quote. This, this to me, so Patrick Laine plays for the Winnipeg Jets. He's a winger with the Winnipeg Jets. He's a restricted free agent right now. That He has not signed a new deal, at least as of this moment, as far as I know. Uh, he is training over in Finland right now in his home country. And it, I've never understood. The, hockey players seem to be an interesting lot, uh, some of them. There seems to be this lack of awareness that when you talk to a newspaper <laughs> in your own country, in your native tongue, there is this thing called the Internet. And there's this program called Google Translate. And it's not like you're speaking in some sort of, you know, code. It's not like the, uh, what's the machine they used in the, uh, uh, in the war that the Germans used, um, you know, that nobody could figure out how to use it. This, so here's Patrick Laine talking about the Winnipeg Jets in Finland, translated from Finnish. When you're having, here's a quote, when you're having contract negotiations, one thing always is who you're playing with. With the merits I have, somewhere else I'd have an opportunity to play with the best players. Everybody who understands hockey knows that. There are top lines and then there's our line, but I play with the guys I'm told to play with. How, how in the world do the Winnipeg Jets sign this guy, plop him back in the dressing room and say, oh, here's your line mates, the guys that you said sucked. How, it's like he's completely thrown a torch into the middle of this whole thing. Well, the first thing you'll say is that it's lost in translation. What of he course. Said, you know, it, it, this whole thing is lost in translation, and some of the things that I said are things that we say generally in Finland that aren't a big deal, <laughs> right? So he's going to have to escape with that. Uh, and, yeah, he's, he certainly, because I'm sure they'll be at some point where they sign. He's too t- I mean, he's an incredibly talented player. I mean, remember, he's a player taken right behind Austin Matthews in the, I guess that'd be the 2015 NHL draft. Um, and 
he is going to, I don't know, he's going to have to earn the respect of his teammates back because there are going to be some that are not happy with him. Oh, you think? Um, his line mates, you think his line mates are going to be loving being known as they're the leftovers, they're the detritus, they're well, the residue. <laughs> Uh, and you know it's it, it, it's tough because he actually had kind of a tough season last year. Um, really, really streaky. Coming off his first couple seasons in the National Hockey League was you know basically seen as you know by many as the next Alexander Ovechkin in the way he plays and the one timer off the left hand flank. Uh, he is a guy that uh, you know has all kinds of potential. Um, and this is a tough one because. It's getting into that time of the year where people are like, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to sign? I mean, because obviously we saw that with the Mitch Marner situation where, you know, it was okay during the summer and it wasn't, there was chatter about it, but no one was really worried. But as the games, the exhibition games begin and if you get a little bit closer to the, to the regular season, um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on this individual and the franchise. And let's remember this, too. I don't know if you know too much about this, but this, uh, you know, and your listeners know too much about this. At the end of last year, there, were a, there was a lot of talk coming out of Winnipeg saying that there was some dysfunction in the, in the, in, in the locker room. Uh, between several individuals. Geez, I wonder who might have been involved now. <laughs> well, maybe maybe this is part of it, right? Um, that there was, you know, because they remember they got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs on a roster where a lot of people thought they could end up as the West champions at the beginning of the year, and they were had a high standing in the regular season too. Okay, so don't they? Let me go back for a second. Don't hockey players, and and it, it seems like it's mostly hockey players, and I say hockey players because. You know, NBA players, primarily most of them live in the States. Uh, football players, NFL players, primarily live in the States. They speak English as their first language. you got hockey players who disappear all over the world to all different countries who speak all different tongues and, of course, talk to the media there. I remember there was a guy who played for the Hamilton Bulldogs a few years ago, and I'm forgetting his name right off the bat, who went home to Sweden and then talked about how, oh, Hamilton is this place that's just like overrun with crime, and I feel like I'm going to be murdered every time I walk to the <laughs> rink. I remember this. And it was like, wait a second, <laughs> you know we're going to read this. You know we're, why, like, I just don't understand. And then they, and you're right, then they pull the, oh, it's lost in translation thing. It's like, what were you possibly saying that got mistranslated from that? It's not like saying, oh, I love Hamilton, it's a delightful locale. Murder <laughs> and delightful are not the same word in Sweden. I don't even speak Swedish. I can assure you of that. And I can't remember. There was a player too that was in the minor leagues, played for the Marlies, and too. And he talked about all the the, the, the major drug problem in hockey. <laughs> yes, that's about right. The people, oh, there's cocaine everywhere, and <laughs> and again, translation. The, there might be a preposition that is different or something, but the the outline of what you're saying, I don't get how occasionally dim-witted some of these guys could be to not think this is going to blow up in their face. And you'd think, too, with the savvy of many of our youths nowadays, as you said, with the Internet and that kind of thing, I mean, yeah. Line is probably, what, 20 years old? Like, come on, dude. 21, yeah, 21, 22 maybe, but it's like he's grown up with this stuff. It's not a surprise to him. It's not, what's this, what's this World Wide Web's device? I mean, he knows his way around. WW dot. Yeah. (laughs) I was on the internets earlier today, the interwebs. Yeah, no, I mean. Or, Or sorry, did you dial up on the internet? Yeah, I'm sure that's what, no, like, I, I'm, I'm just baffled by this because even if he somehow thought, you know what? I'm going to be okay. I want this to get back to Winnipeg because somehow this is going to help with my contract negotiation. 
Or, 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 what? Or, or is he... I could really offend a lot of people, people if they're from Manitoba. <laughs> Maybe he wants out of Manitoba. Well, I, see, now now you are probably on to something, but you're telling me that if Mitch Marner didn't have... Mitch Marner says that he had two offer sheets, or at least his agent says he had two offer sheets but didn't sign them, which would have been a way out. You're telling me that Line A doesn't have an offer sheet yet? If Line A, he'll get one. If, if this thing drags on, somebody will put in an offer because Winnipeg is very tight into the salary cap. You wouldn't have to do a Mitch Marner-type deal, and if he really wants out of there, you just sign it for three years or something at $6 million bucks, and he'd be gone. Yeah, for sure. I just, uh, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by this one. Unless your explanation is probably the only one that remotely makes sense. But even then, even if he signs an offer sheet, chances are Winnipeg is not going to allow their second overall draft pick to walk out the door. So they're going to sign him. So now you have signed an offer sheet to try and get away from Winnipeg, and you've torched all your line mates, and you've got to walk back into the dressing room. Yeah, that's going to be a real tough one. Like I said, he's going to have to spend some time explaining himself, as they say, because uh, that's that, that's tough. And uh, then again, ever and, since and, and there will be some teammates that never forgive him. Too. No, remember that. Well, his two line mates are probably, as I say, not on his Christmas card list right now. After he said how much they stink. Uh, ever since though, do you, I don't know if you remember this, but right before the NHL draft that he was in. Sportsnet or CBC or TSN or somebody did a link up with him, like a Skype interview, and they had just talked to Austin Matthews, who's you know dressed properly, sitting up, looking very oh, professional. The, 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 the notorious Darren Millard interview on Sportsnet, yes. And then they go to Patrick Line, who appears to be just woken up in the top bunk of his bunk bed, who's <laughs> barely coherent and like I don't know what he was doing. And you're like, is this guy for real? I, I, he he's a hockey talent. I'm not sure that he's. I'm not. I'm not sure that he is the. How do we say this nicely, Bubba? I'm if if brains were dynamite, I'm not sure he could blow his nose. I remember in that interview too, he also said that he was the best player in the world, and that's why he should be drafted first overall. <sighs> well, you know, if he's that good, he doesn't need good line mates. He can make anybody better. With a pill, though. Remember, these guys are twenty, twenty-one uh-huh. years old, right? And I and I I. I and I know that they're media trained, and you don't think that he's got an agent saying, "Patrick, shut up! Don't say a word <laughs> in Swedish, in Finnish, in Russian, in Latvian, in English. Don't no, say a word." You know what, Scott? I have to disagree with you. Remember, these agents say nothing anymore because they don't want to. Li- they don't want to lose the client. Well, and they, and they know a guy like Line A is going. Remember what ten percent they get. Right. Yeah, well, five five something like that. So, you know, but even five percent is a pretty good money when you're talking uh, about the money. How many times has a Drew Rosenhaus told his players to shut up? <laughs> no, never. It is uh, that I. I just I hope that Hockey Night in Canada or someone will have a live mic in the room the day he arrives back in Winnipeg. That would be appointment viewing. You know what they're going to do? You know, I mean, many of our listeners have probably seen this uh, times in the in Major League Baseball. When a player hits their first home run and they go back to the dugout and everyone just kind of walks around like nothing happened. You think they'll do that? See, I'm thinking more like that scene in the mid part of Slapshot when they're skating around warming up at center ice and they're skating towards each other and the Hanson brother slugs the other guy in the face. Oh. That, so as he's skating by the bench for knuckles, one of his teammates just pops him <laughs> and knocks him off his feet. There, welcome back. 
punk. Yeah, that or a couple of high slap shots during practice. That's right. Go in front of the net and tip a few in. <laughs> and all the defensemen are going, aim for the cup. Aim for the cup. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll uh-huh. see. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. It could, Winnipeg will be way more interesting than it's ever been before. Hopefully he learns his lesson. Bubba O'Neill, always appreciate the time. Hopefully you learned something today, too. Uh, yes, I always do, Scott. Excellent. That's why I keep coming back for more. <laughs> appreciate it. Have a great night. Thanks for having me. You can see Bubba tonight on CHCH doing the weather and the sports. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.